I believed I encountered the essential truth of the truth of the body, which is human nature, which is in Hebrew, Tselem Adam, in God's image, meaning that we have a body that was designed for meditation, designed for yoga, designed for conceiving the Supreme if you do what Patanjali instructed. First, you propel your mind with do and don't do, yama and yama. Then you prepare your body through posture and breathing. And then you enter the four stages of meditation, concentration, meditation to samadhi. This you can do with the human body. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Dr. Daniel Mijuri. Dr. Mijuri is a professor at the School of Environmental Sustainability at Tel Aviv University. He specializes in environmental philosophy and ethics, and his research addresses issues relating to epistemology, argumentation and ethics, including the relationship between the environment and lifestyle, bioethics, public space, shared property and commons. Daniel is a social and environmental activist, a former chair of the Israel Bicycle Association, and a Tai Chi and Kung Fu master. He has two books published in Hebrew, with four more forthcoming. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. Your opinions matter, and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our sponsors, Bioptimizers, Paleo Valley, Organifi, and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Their support is essential in producing this podcast, and we hope that you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. The topic of Paul and Daniel's conversation today is education, the dark side. Hello, everybody. Welcome to education, the dark side. My guest today is Daniel Mishori, and as Penny has shared his credentials, he's highly credentialed, and he was referred to me by my very good friend, Jonathan Bluestein, who many of you may remember from the podcast. He's been on multiple times, and he's somebody I have deep love and respect for, and when he recommended Daniel, as he always recommends only good people, I took him seriously, and Daniel's background and current experience and profession gives him a lot to share with us. So, Daniel, welcome. Thank you. Daniel, you're an unusual combination of a man with high levels of academic understanding and a deep level of connection to the Tao. It's rare to meet someone that is both a tall tree of intellect that has deep roots of common sense and spiritual practice. So I'd love it if you could share some of your developmental background and how you came to be such a unique human being. <laughs> well, actually, if I, the starting point should be the first time I encountered magic. <laughs> yeah. When I took magic mushrooms in South America in my grand tour after the army. I was 22. And the first time, it was the best day of my life. So immediately I went uh, again. <laughs> to the field, we were picking them up by ourselves, and I had my best day by far. 
Great. And then I had a few days off, uh, went to another city, came back, and experienced what I now term the first time that I knew everything. Yeah, great. And then forgot. And then forgot, but I was delusioned for good from atheism because I remembered I had these hours that I was the happiest and I felt that I knew everything and every how everything is connected and we are all God. And it was in Hebrew. The day later, I didn't know what to think. Actually, I was ashamed in myself talking about God. <laughs> and really, and so I decided to go and study philosophy because I knew they were talking about such things. And I thought for the minimum is that if it made sense to me, stoned, <laughs> it must be it must be feasible to explain it uh, logically. So I went to study philosophy and actually I, I shortly after I became embedded in philosophy and forgot my original drive. But since I remembered it was connected to yoga and martial arts, which I have started already in the age of 16, I'm now 57. Great. And I can do such stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like uh, uh, Bruce Lee stuff. I've, been, I've learned how to relax. And the first time I've learned it was during that time in the Andes. Because what I remembered is that I would do like this, feel my arm, and I didn't understand what was different. And later on, I've learned that this type of hand opening the thumb away from the finger gives the palm a round shape. And then all movements are correct. And you have perfect Tai Chi and Qigong. And only after I've understood Tai Chi, when I was about 45, I realized this was the hand of the Tai Chi. So yes. instantly, if my hands were open like this, when I was 22, I was instantly in that position of firmness in which body is balanced, you can totally relax, and this is where in-depth meditation could take, could take place. And I had it instantly in the age of 22, and it took me more than 22 more years to remember. Yeah, well, that's, that's good that you good did. Kung Fu and Tai Chi teachers. And I also did two yoga teaching courses. But it was alongside my uh, academic studies and career and my public pursuits. As a chairperson of the coordinating forum of junior academic faculty in Israeli universities, 
So I did a lot of academic public activities. So I had lots on my mind and it was all done simultaneously, which was remembering. And there is a, a Greek word, it called an amnesia, the forgetting of forgetting. That's how it felt <laughs> for, at the first time. And then, and this is how it felt when I had the privilege of doing an ayahuasca ceremony. Oh, good. Uh, I was a member of, for four years in a very dedicated uh, and secret uh, circle of ayahuasca. And after one year, I remembered in one of the Good. really greatest ceremonies I've participated in, the Brazilian mestre, it was Santo Daime. Brazilian mestre came as a pilgrimage to Israel. And you know, this is the one, the guy who wrote many songs that were... Is it karaoke? Padrino Alfredo. Okay, you know who karaoke is? Yes, heard of him and never had the privilege to participate in one of the circles. And I wish myself that it will happen soon. Sooner. Sooner the better. I, uh, I had the grand fortune. One of my best friends is friends with karaoke. And for, one of, for uh, my birthday one year, he bought a liter and a half of karaoke's ayahuasca. That was the most powerful ayahuasca I've ever had. And it was unbelievably good. I've, I've, I make my own ayahuasca, but, and I've probably done, I don't know, 60 ayahuasca ceremonies, but karaoke's ayahuasca is something else altogether, let me tell you. So if you ever get a chance, it's a very powerful experience. Definitely. And I had the privilege of, you know, drinking from the ayahuasca that he brought with him, uh, the best of the best for the pilgrimage. Awesome. And this is when I remembered. And I, I had to stand. And people told me, no, it's part of the ceremony that you have to sit. I said, I'm sorry, I, I cannot sit. I can go outside. No, no, please. So be, just be on the side. And there was something moving. And this is when I remembered Chi. And this is where I remember this... Uh, concept that I uh, termed firmness and wrote my book that's in Hebrew, Firmness, Meditations on First Philosophy and Environmental Ethics. Actually, the book was downloaded to me. I couldn't write it myself. I was in uh, Thailand with a friend and we took magic mushrooms. And in one afternoon, I had the book. I just had to write it. And it was published in 2018, and it's, it was supposed to enable me a dialogue with my fellow professors at Tel Aviv University. And actually, it was published on the day that, they, that I had to go through my first hearing, dismissal attempt. It was the same day. And it took me several years to realize they were silencing me, not only on the part of bioethics or cannabis 
or EHS or water fluoridation, but also my own advancement in the science of health, which right. is not the same as medicine. No. And you know, these are people who have been seeing me around, going barefoot, staying fit and getting fitter all the time. And actually, I made a challenge to them because I said at one point, I also wrote a document and sent it to them. If you Google hand and anatomy, you will see all the descriptions like that. All the fingers pointing the same direction upward, and then the hand becomes flat. But if you open the, the thumb on different angle, now we have it round. That's what I explained before. And I said for that, which enables that, you'll give me professorship. And they de denied me tenure. I'm still senior faculty. Half time now, according to their calculation, 100% full time, according to mine. And we will have to meet in court. And I had lots on my mind, like my mother fell and fully recovered, but it took some efforts on my side. I moved back to Tel Aviv. I had too much time, but actually I realized that I was post-traumatic. That, And because I was post-traumatic, some, some things took me time to understand because I'm a philosopher, but my faculty is exact sciences because I'm in uh, environmental studies. And it was co-opted, incorporated into a broader school of the environment and earth sciences, dominated by climate change theory and hostile to the ecological agenda. And so my academic, uh, the Supreme Subcommittee, a promotion committee consists of all the scientific faculties, medicine, biology, exact sciences, and engineering. And they saw me during the second hearing doing excellent Tai Chi. And they got my papers and my book, and through three different processes of hearings, 2018, 2020, 21, this was the third hearing, not a word on my research, not one word, just unbelievable. And then you realize if they don't talk about it, perhaps they are afraid of that research. They don't want health research to take place. They want to continue in their scientific myth according to which consciousness, consciousness is in the brain only, and there is nothing more than the human brain. There is no 
intelligence superior to the human brain. And the only God there could be is the God that humans would create through science and technology. Yes, and that's a quite a problem, isn't it? That transhumanism, that's a, new, that's a new religion masquerading itself as science. It's not science in the basic definition of, of, of a skeptical pursuit of the truth. No, not at so all. So whether or not we have encountered truth, and I believe I encountered the essential truth of the truth of the body, which is human nature, which is in Hebrew, Tzelem Adam, in God's image, meaning that we have a body that was designed for meditation, designed for yoga, designed for conceiving the Supreme if you do what Patanjali instructed. First, you propel your mind with do and don't do, yama and yama. Then you prepare your body through posture and breathing. And then you enter the four stages of meditation, concentration, meditation to samadhi. This you can do with the human body. That's my interpretation of God's image. And this is what they deny. And because they have this vision of the human being, which is an arbitrary product of natural selection, they say, well, of course, this body is frail because, well, we, we stood up on two legs because of that, this or that advantages. But we got back pains. And my argument was that with, we were born perfect. We misuse our body because we depart from nature, which is a basic truth that all animals should feel comfortable in their place. Can you hear me? I agree. I'm totally with you, man. You, I don't even need to say anything. It's like listening to myself talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, really, because, you know, when I remembered this, when I deciphered the uh, Tai Chi, do you want it, me to exemplify or just keep talking? Well, no, I, I want you to share what you think is important. Um, part, of what, part of what I wanted to really hear from you today as a professor is, you know, about the dark side of education and what's really happening. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to avoid the dark side. Well, no, I think you're doing yeah, a so good I'll job. I'll share the dark side. Well, no, I think you're doing a good job. My point is, is that I want you to share what you think is important for the listeners to hear. And I think yeah. what you've covered so far is very important because you're starting from the, from the basis of our authentic self, our authentic nature, not only the unique self, but the self, um, the universal self, the cosmic self, the God self. <laughs> so now let's go back to reality. In the, <laughs> end of in the end of 2018, after my first dismissal attempt, 
which I wrote myself out of. I wrote another book of firmness. It was called Firmness in Truth. 144 pages, 44,000 words written in 40 days and nights. And they know, because they know when they sent me the hearing documents and when was the hearing and when I sent it the few days earlier my response. And I was able to write myself out of uh, this dismissal attempt and I was shocked by seeing that the academic promotion committees were, there is an expression in Hebrew, tatrama, it means sub-level. There was nothing in it except the forces, the political forces that made a deal on my expense. And I was able to expose them based on the documents they sent me. And I was able to show that there were some criminal offenses made and not just breaches of the academic protocols and the academic freedom, etc. And so they didn't dare to meet me in court. And then, a few months later, I encountered an academic paper about academic ethics, which was based on... A an argument which was in Israeli academia in 2017 about an academic code of ethics which was proposed by a distinguished Israeli philosopher, Asa Kasher, and which was totally rejected by all the left who said that the then Minister of Education wanted to do some mouth clogging in the academia with this code of ethics. And at that time, I didn't pay any attention to the, this argument. It was totally left, right, boring something. But then I wrote a paper justifying the position by Asa Kasher. And when I read the paper, I understood that if Asa Kasher is correct, then science doesn't work. And professional ethics wouldn't work because in order to explain his, uh, to justify his code of ethics, he started with saying, let's define what is academia, how it is constructed, and what's the role of professional ethics within the disciplines and what could be an academic code of ethics. And he begins by describing science as composed of different and distinct disciplines, of course, made out of sub-disciplines and sub-expertise, which are defined by the area of questions which they deal with, so they focus only on certain questions using certain agreed upon methodologies according to accepted and acceptable considerations by the international community of that 
discipline. Now, this was, when I read this paper, it was exactly when the Israeli Supreme Court of Justice rejected the appeal made by the former mistress of health in Israel, Yael German, against the reinstitution of water fluoridation. She canceled water fluoridation in 2014, and the new minister wanted to reinstitute water fluoridation in early 2016. And I wrote the expert opinion for her appeal, and we had a junction for two and a half years, and then it was rejected with no... <laughs> Uh, with no explanation by the Supreme Court of Justice. Hi, did you know that there are numerous studies using specialized dyes and radiolucent markers showing that when we eat a specific organ or gland from an animal, it ends up going directly to the same organ or gland in our body? This deep wisdom has been known long before science validated it, and people like St. Hildegard of Bingen all the way back in the 1100s wrote a diet book showing what specific meats would help heal ailments in the body. Francis Marion Pottinger, author of the famous Pottinger's Cat Study, used radiolucent markers and found that when we eat the adrenal glands of an animal, the molecules of adrenal tissue go right to our own adrenal glands. The body is very efficient and won't try to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. This is also true of collagen. About 15 years ago, while performing stunt lifting, I had a man fall from above right onto my head, blowing out two of my discs completely, tearing spinal ligaments and leaving me with spinal cord and nerve root compression. Any surgeon would have immediately wanted to fuse these joints and put metal in my neck, but I chose to rehabilitate myself, and one of the key dietary ingredients I used was collagen powder. This feeds the body the exact molecules it needs to repair the damaged collagen in my neck, and I'm still going strong. Joint degeneration is not only very common among athletes, but among workers and people of all ages today, and regularly consuming Organifi's collagen supplement may save you from a lot of pain, doctor's visits, and surgery. Give your body the resources it needs and let it do its magic. Organifi Collagen uses only real food ingredients. It contains hydrolyzed bovine hide collagen peptides. This protein form is derived from pasture-raised cows. It is associated with pain relief from aches and pains in joints, radiant skin health, and even bone loss prevention. Eggshell membrane collagen. Taken from the thin layer between the egg and the shell, it is collagen rich and this may be beneficial for strong joint health. Hydrolyzed fish collagen peptides derived from wild caught fish. This is a particularly useful collagen source because of its small particle size, making it easily digestible and absorbable. Chicken bone broth protein concentrate. This source provides the collagen type found in your gut, joints, and cartilage and helps support greater health both inside and out. Don't wait until you're in so much pain that it hurts to do what you love to do or you're told you need surgery when you can feed your body Organifi collagen and feel better every day while also enhancing your nutritional profile. To get your Organifi collagen, go to O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. That's Organifi dot com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. On checkout, use your Living 4D discount code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20, and get 20% off with your purchase of Organifi Collagen.
Why are they so hell-bent on fluoridating water? I mean, we have the same problems here. But I'm curious, you know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to do the research to find that fluoridation is completely unnecessary and damaging to the human body and has negative effects on the pineal gland and many other things. What do you think their motive is for overriding the truth and, and keep poisoning the water? Two reasons. The first one is that in public health evolved a tradition which they never admit scientific errors. They will never say they were ever wrong about anything. Not water fluoridation, not vaccines. Right. That's the first answer. Second answer is that water fluoridation began as an official method in 1950. 1953, you have the first fluoridated toothpaste. Now we are 70 years later. The safety of fluoride in the toothpaste is supposedly being determined by those scientists who oversee water fluoridation. <laughs> That's really a smart So move. if you back from the theory of water fluoridation, you have to say, oh, sorry, we may have caused terrible damage in the whole paradigm of 20th century dentistry. Both public health, water fluoridation, and the uh, private component of use your fluoridated toothpaste and when you go to the dentist they advise you to do some to take some added fluorides or just expose your teeth etc what i discovered in the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019 i researched back that whole science i did a research on fluoridation controversy i didn't say but uh, I had a lot of experience in actual argumentation when I was negotiating on behalf of the uh, junior academic faculty, but I was also an assistant in a big German-Israeli project on controversy analysis. My, doctor, my doctorate supervisor, Professor Marcelo Dascal, was the founder of controversy analysis research worldwide. So I had the expertise of knowing how to analyze controversies, and I was already engaged in some. So I researched back this whole controversy, and I discovered that early on, they took on their adversaries and began to calling them names, uh, anti-fluoridationists and began to say that they don't understand the science, they're emotional, they're irrational, they don't believe in science. So from the very beginning, the whole discourse was framed in ways that either you believe in science or you are a heretic. Now go back to my insights from Asa Kashem. He tried to defend academic freedom 
within the disciplines. There was no framework for interdisciplinary academia because the basic structure of the disciplines and the first presumption of every discipline is, it, is that you can describe reality from one viewpoint and forget the whole. Very left brain. Yes, and that's the, the basic presumption of what I began to term disciplinary science. Science that being composed of different disciplines. And then you have presumptions in certain disciplines which could be completely untrue and they serve as axioms. And within each discipline, you have the experts and they are the editors of the journals and they are serving at the promotion and academic committees. And when they detect heresy, they kick you out. So within the discipline, you keep pushing alternative voices out. And I have this institutional way of looking at things. And I take, for example, take first year students at the Tel Aviv University Faculty of Medicine. By the way, uh, named after the Sackler family from the opiates epidemic. Oh, how fantastic. Yes. First year student, you know, the, he got the, the program for the next six years doesn't include breathing or exercise, yoga, tai chi, qigong, anything. It's just that framework of the body as a machine. We know how to dissect it. We know the inner parts and we can make better the nature. Yeah, bad idea. And since this whole system is designed to, to describe reality. <laughs> because every person has... I'm a sorry, but that's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> that's... Whoever lived in this world in the past three years, you know, uh, knows already what it is like to see life through the lens of contemporary disciplinary science. You cannot argue with the experts. That's the feudalization of science. The experts were entitled to determine reality in their own subject. For example, there is an, a terrible pandemic going around. From that truth, they infer the good, what we should do. So they control ethics. And first you get the presumption of the discipline or the sub-discipline, then it all makes sense. If you presume that vaccines are safe and effective, and not only safe and effective, but saves millions of lives annually, then it is good to impose 
vaccine, certainly in an era of a terrible pandemic, once in a century. And this mindset, I realized already in 2018-2019, that had an authoritarian, which went more and more to the extreme, patterns of thought. And I realized that fully that in the end of 2018, the WHO published his list of 10 threats to global health. And vaccine hesitancy was one of which, which I understood that the level of incitement against the so-called anti-vaxxers gained a new stage, gained a level of almost 1930 Germany. Now, that's a personal point because my mother came from Germany. She was born in 1931. So she was a child when she saw synagogue burning during the crystal night. They barely escaped in a, you know, in a act of miracle, actually several miracles, uh, in 1939. But only after her uncle already committed suicide in 1934. One year through the Nazi regime, it was already too much for him. The brother of my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. Uh, because being uh, kicked out of society, losing all social respect, and I gradually began to feel that kind of sensation with myself. Understandably. Be and I on only in 2020, when I saw the documents of the second hearing, I've learned that in the early, in the summer of 2019, I was described as an anti-vaxxer in a letter by the dean of the faculty of management in which I, uh, taught a course in business ethics, which was a reason enough for him not to, not to allow for me to teach again in his faculty. And I've learned of that, of that uh, letter only nearly a year later. So you've got this Babylonian science Feodalian science, which is divided to discipline and subdisciplines. If you come from another discipline, it's like a kindergarten argumentation. You are not an expert. You don't understand anything. If you understood, you would have understand, for example, that water fluoridation is good. And then I investigated into water fluoridation and I discovered that water fluoridation relies on the same presumption that all medical and environmental standards presume, which is Paracelsus Maxim, Sola Dosit Facit Venenum. Only the dose 
make the poison or the remedy. And he said it in the 15th century. He was an alchemist. And at what we would uh, uh, presently call toxicologist. And he experimented with poisons and he poisoned himself and died in an, at an early age because he failed to distinguish between two types of poison. Take, for example, snake venom. You could get used to it if you practice. And the dose or the, the poison or the remedy really depends on the dose. But then you have a, another family of substances, for example, mercury, lead, modern dioxins, phthalates, radioactive substances, heavy metals, which you better not be exposed to at any dosage. Once you understand there are two types of families of substances, let's call them poisonous and toxic, one dependent on those dosage and one which isn't, which you better not be exposed to any, at any level. And then you would have to ask this particular substance to which those, to which family does it belong? To the family of substances we shouldn't be exposed at any dosage or to the family of substances in which the dosage is the difference between a cure and a poison. And they don't ask this question because they never question Paracelsus Maxim. Now consider all environmental and medical standards, which of course they are, all, they are completely false because each standard is set for one particular substance and synergies and interactions with other substances are never taken into consideration. Yeah, this is one of the key problems with all the research on pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides. They never research these things in combination. And I found research papers showing that scientists have looked into this and found when they took things like apples and made something like a, a apple pie out of it, that the chemicals in the different foods not only combined to produce new chemicals, but the researchers said they found chemicals that have never been identified before and brought up the point that not only is the research dangerously misleading, but people have no idea. For example, in one of the papers I published in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, the science, environmental scientists went right into the school lunchroom, took food off just like a kid in the cafeteria, and found 19 pesticides at far higher levels than safe levels, and then made the point, what happens when these combine inside the human body or inside of a heat source like an oven? And they made the point that new chemicals are created that have never been identified. And that brings up the point, if, if they've never been identified, and they're not natural in nature. There's no way the body could ever develop a mechanism to detoxify them. And these are the kinds of things I've been bringing up for my whole career. And it's just amazing how everything that you're talking about right now 
has been brought up over and over and over again. I mean, there's been countless people bringing up the same issues you're bringing up with fluoridation, with manipulation of truth by academia, by, you know, materialist science, scientism. And I, I, I think, you know, it, it really, you have to sort of put point backwards and, and track the evidence backwards and say, okay, what's the real agenda behind all this? Because these people, I mean, they honestly, they can't be that stupid. So there must be something motivating them. I don't know if it's money or, or what it is, but what's, what's your thoughts in that regard? Science controls current picture of reality in modern world. I used to, we used to think that secular people don't believe in methodologies, but they had to believe in something. So they believed in self instead in science. And secular picture of reality is actually believing in the picture of reality presented by science. Now, whoever controls this picture of reality controls reality to a certain extent. For example, take the science, quote-unquote, of economics. This science explains, it has a theory, which explains why current system is the best, while you know that when you implement that theory in practice, you get more and more wealth transferred from the masses to the elite. Right. That There you go. So now all you have to do is see in which ways the elite controls the science of economics. Now, first of all, you've got uh, the uh, nice wages that professors are getting, and more so the, the consultation that they are able to give to big firms and Nobel Prize that they will get. Now consider academia. You know, the president is being elected by the board of governance, governors, who are the donation, donators to the university. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be promoted in academia, you have to show that you received grants and somebody has to finance these, these grants and, etc., uh, etc. Et so you have money controlling, for example, what's going to be research because you have research money, for example, for microbiology, but not for Tai Chi <laughs> or natural herbs. Right. <laughs> so you can direct science to it, uh, and the, the most horrible example of that kind is the climate change science because they poured hundreds of millions of dollars into climate change science. So if you want to get grant, all you have to do is explain how, for example, Tai Chi is related to climate change. And once you run, you get a grant, now you're, uh, you are a climate scientist. You do that Tai Chi angle of climate science, and they count you as one of the scientists who support anthropogenic uh, climate change 
and the, the biblical predictions that they make of a new flood. And uh, predictions, by the way, scientific predictions, is equivalent to religious prophecies. And we remember the models in the early stage of the pandemic, which predicted such and such number of uh, cases and deceased, and never came true. And they still relied on them. It was, it was supposed to be the rational thing to do, because a rational pe- person is supposed to trust the scientist. Daniel, the, the thing that came true, paradoxically, is that their predictions for death by COVID turned out to be death by the vaccination. <laughs> That's the sad part. That's the sad part, yes. So I made a prediction myself. In 2019, I published my paper, The Role of Experts, and I explained how this Feudalian science emerged. Feudalian in the sense that in each discipline, you have those experts who say, don't come near, this is mine. And I began to think of it as a Babylonian science in which God confounded all the languages because in one discipline, they don't understand what the others do. And because I came from philosophy and I had a really extraordinary interdisciplinary upbringing, also because I was this uh, head of junior faculty, so I had friends from different uh, disciplines, different faculties. So I've learned to know academia in a way that no other doctoral student would have, would have learned academia. And I was also participating in a research group on uh, researching academia itself. Uh, my viewpoint at the time was uh, faculty and uh, workers' rights. And if you don't believe in what the experts say, you are heretic. And I gave the example of public health. And I gave examples that I, I showed that they became impatient and even hostile towards human rights and tendency to frame their adversaries in really derogatory terms like anti-vaxxers, anti-fluoridationists. And later that year, 2019, it was November, I gave a talk in a 1,000-strong conference on informed consent in which Dale Bigtree gave the central talk and I gave the opening talk. It was November 2019, and my opening talk was that the incitement against the so-called anti-vaxxers is a test for democracy, human rights, bioethics, medicine, and science. And students in my seminars and whoever attended that conference, there were thousand people inside, you know, like 800 Israelis and 900 and about 100 or 200 internationals, whoever been there knew that the people who, who talked on that conference were prophetic in the simple biblical sense. 
that because we are human beings, we had the privilege presented as a sin to have eaten from the tree of knowledge. But in Hebrew, the original word is not knowledge, is da'at, which is knowledge right from wrong. And that gives us the power of choice. And, and by the way, if you can say la da'at, it's to know a woman, and you know that knowing a woman is through sensation. That's why we should keep our power of sensation and not waste it, because then we could use it to go up and down the chakras. So that's a subjective force. We have to feel it, knowing right from wrong. Current science is amoral. Yeah. It portrays totally. science above ethics. And so only in Hebrew you can say a science without da'at, which means senseless science, and also science with no ethics. Hello, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I suspect you've heard me speak about the Czech Academy on my podcast, and I'd love to extend a very special offer we've created for all of you. We created the Czech Academy so that anyone wanting to master a truly holistic approach to living, rehabilitation, strength and conditioning, athlete development, or holistic lifestyle coaching can gain mastery with the guidance and the support of true masters, the Czech Institute instructors, and mentors. The Czech Academy is ideal for anyone wanting a career change to enhance their professional skills and meet the demands of the public today and is a multidisciplinary program. We have doctors and therapists of many types and encourage cross-pollination because none of us has the full range of expertise to handle all the challenges people commonly present with today. We encourage all Czech professionals to network with other experts and to learn and grow by working together for the betterment of all and particularly the patients and clients. The Czech Academy Open House is an opportunity for anyone interested in the Academy to get a taste of the Academy learning experience. The Open House is free to everyone. The Open House provides seven days of access to the Czech Academy e-learning platform, and participants will be able to take select lessons from our online courses, including Integrated Movement Science Level 1 online and Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 2 online. Preview our Academy-exclusive online workshops. Check out our Academy business assets like package templates, client onboarding checklists, and more. Watch group mentor sessions. Hear from current students about how they're applying what they've learned. You will also receive a free Czech career consultation with Gavin Jennings, CEO of the Czech Institute and co-founder of the Czech Academy, so any questions you have can be answered. You can register for the open house right now, but registration for this event ends on September 22nd, so please don't wait to the last minute. To register for the open house, go to chek.group forward slash open dash house. That's check.group forward slash open dash house. Enjoy your free access to the Czech Academy and feel free to talk to Gavin and get all your questions answered. We'd love to have you. And as you all know, the world needs a lot more holistically skilled, open-minded, health and exercise professionals right now. And this is your great opportunity to be the best.
I have a question for you. You know, a lot of, you know, there's no question that within this circle of so-called expert scientists and professors that are in the camp that you're talking about, that we're all familiar with now worldwide, they're the ones that pushed the whole COVID agenda and everything associated with it, much more fluoride and, and a myriad of other crazy shit. Um, th- this is what constantly bothers me, and I, and I want to hear your opinion on it. There's no way that amongst these people that they could live this immorally and unethically and impose this kind of rule and injunction and poison the food supply, poison human beings, tell lies constantly. And as a therapist, there was a time when I had 36 physicians seeing me as patients and bringing their families to me because their own medicine could not do anything for them. And if you look at the health of most of these people, it's absolutely terrible. Their families are in terrible health. And yet here they are pushing their so-called health agendas from bad diets to the kind of crap the World Health Organization and governmental agencies. Uh, You know, you look at the diets promoted by the United States government and most governments, it's just absolute bullshit. You got Bill Gates and his absolute lunacy. So the the question is, don't you think that, that there's there's got to be the reality that that many of these people actually already know that what they're doing isn't true and have to confront that within themselves? Confront truth within oneself is not easy. And I experienced that when I faced hostilities from my own family during, during the let's say the green passport era, the vaccine passports. And of course I was... Right, yeah, I did too. Not upgraded because, you know, according to transhumanist philosophy, if you are not upgraded with the latest uh, corporate patent mRNA, you cannot have human rights. And even though it means that you're not human anymore, <laughs> you're not human enough. Yes. Natural humans are not human enough. Only upgraded humans. We have to talk about the place, the makom in Hebrew, which is both place and God. We have to talk about the bad and the evil. Let's have it. When my family members thought that it was good to disconnect from me and not to see me for many months, and some of them for more than two years, they thought they were doing the good based on their world view, which was the scientific orthodoxy. In this sense, to do what is not, I mean, and the orthodoxy was Wrong. And because it said yeah, things still is. which were not true. For example, about the masks. And yeah. ask me about and, and it staying indoors. I have a great story for you. So you have 
to do the wrong thing because you didn't identify truth. The best framing of truth was made in my, in my view by an ecologist, Barry Commoner, who stated, nature knows best. Either you accept it or not. If you believe that science knows best, that's a different worldview. Now you have two kinds of people. Those who believe in the orthodoxy, perhaps because they never dared to question certain premises. For example, my mother is an eye doctor. Only last week, it was the first time that I sensed that she really listened to me because she already realized she was lied to. Because at first, she trusted the her colleagues. But you have those in power. For example, those people with whom I had the controversy on water fluoridation or corresponded with with regard to <coughs> EHS, they know what is EHS? the truth. Electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Oh, okay, good, yeah, okay, thank you. Which they canceled on me an academic conference I helped to organize, which was supposed to take place in early, in early February 2020, just minutes before COVID started, because they don't want it, they don't want the public to be aware. So those people, who are aware of truth and of science and still use their position to promote an unlawful policy, that's like people who sold their souls to the devil. And I'm not using here this expression in any religious way, but simply in the way that they had the option to choose truth, and they chose otherwise. And once they chose otherwise, it meant that they chose the option that might cause damage, that might injure people, something I couldn't have done myself. Now, I had this talk with a physician who is expert in health management, and he had all the data at the beginning of the pandemic and realized that the public was fed with lies. He was an instrumental in a group that we, in, which formed the Professional Ethics Front, which includes also lawyers and uh, other academics. And we had this discussion, and this he said, he said that sentence, and I asked him to repeat the sentence, and he repeated. And he's a Russian atheist guy. And I said, could you explain what you've just said? And he said, yes. When you face the untrue, you have to start believing in truth. And when you start believing in truth, truth ends in God. 
And so when I say at a certain point a person has to choose truth, I say the truth of the Makom, of ecology, of Gaia, if you want, but I will refer to it in Hebrew, Makom, in which nature knows best, and also in which the rules of karma work. In Hebrew, it's schar mitzvah mitzvah, schar avera. Avera meaning the reward for a good deed is a good deed, and a reward for a bad deed is a bad deed. That's how karma works. Once you divert yourself from truth, anything could go wrong. And so we have different people in different levels. Some are bound by the orthodoxy. They don't dare to question. Some knows that the orthodoxy is telling lies, for example, with regard to the side effects of uh, mRNA injections, which are literally poison injections because they are supposed to be effective in something, right? Uh So effective is the good of of that injection, which justifies the side effects. But if, if you did, if, let's say, there is no good because the pandemic is gone. Let's presume. So we have an injection with all kinds of chemicals and nanotechnologies and genetic materials, which by themselves could impair health. So you inject this substance to some, to people, it is bound to cause damage. And they justify the damage with the benefit, which is the good to fence off pandemics. So it's a kind of a ritual. And I began to see science, orthodox science, orthodox disciplinary science, as a kind of a new religion. And you can see all the different expressions of religion, including the sacrifice of animals. Why why people sacrificed animals before? To appease the gods, right? How do we appease the god of science from, let's say, enabling us to use poisons without harmful consequences? By first sacrificing the animals in animal testing. And... Let's give the example of the believing in truth versus believing in false gods with the masking stuff. Yes. First personal story. Early 2019, I was in a bioethics conference in Bangkok in which I presented my research on water fluoridation. They gave me two hours. And... I came in two days after there was a very rare atmospheric inversion and all the air pollution was trapped and they canceled schools and universities. 
and my friends in uh, Bangkok prepared me beforehand the best Japanese face mask and I wore them for about a month and being you know very keen on breathing <laughs> being yeah. exposed for a whole week to terrible air pollution was terrible and I was fully realized when I was put the mask and I was fully realized that the most of the pollution would come through I could sense it so the idea that it's supposed to block viruses when it didn't block the air pollution in Bangkok was hilarious really yeah and then I had the privilege of having an excellent student her name is Dana Dana Avitrak and uh, she's a granddaughter of a very famous uh, lawyer in Israel and uh, she's doing her uh, master's research thesis with me bioethical and environmental criticism of the covid masks now from the environmental perspective it jumped from nothing to a number two pollutants in the ocean after a plastic containers like isn't that just sickening from zero to the second most polluting thing in the oceans and it also blocks uh, water pipes and uh, waterways including rivers sewage systems an environmental catastrophe so we had this argument about the bioethical aspects which you could uh, of course you could uh, you would understand and the environmental argument and we uh, she submitted the research proposal and we said so we sorry this is the faculty of exact sciences now we need also quant- quantitative research so i said okay very good you have to train uh, twice a week to the university to attend my seminars you will ride in the train in the carriage of of the disabled and the and the bicycle go so you can see with one look all the the whole carriage in the train and you will observe the level of the masks you know those who were under chin and under nose and full face and those who will wear double and take the data because we were able to show whether even if the mask were effective whether mandatory mask mandates work under the most supervised environment because you have loudspeaker reminding people to put on masks every few minutes you have the visuals you have a corona inspector going back and forth and reminding people to put on masks now actually there were exemptions also and i would have stood there and they would point me to put on the mask and i would say exempt and usually they they would let go but the thing is that of course the data show that most of the people never put on the mask properly 
So it's not about the science, it's not about protection. This is control drill. Someone wanted to show us that it could make us do whatever they want. Now, I first published a paper with a, a, a trans lawyer uh, showing that the science up to 2020 showed that there were no apparent benefits for public usage of masks and already uh, known harms associated with it. And I published this paper in my favorite journal, which is the Israeli Bioethic Newsletter, which is not an academic journal, but a professional one. But it reaches 6,000 recipients, including all senior Ministry of Health officials, all public health officials, all those who are in some way or another do the interaction between medicine, law, and ethics. And they all got my paper and never responded. So 10 months later, I published another paper, this time with Dana, and it was called The Tractat of Masks. And I published it in an alternative uh, internet site, which is called For Health, Libriut, in Hebrew, and uh, actually made fun, fun of them. You're no longer entitled to be counted as science because you never respond, responded the challenge. And a true scientific theory, according to philosopher Karl Popper, is only that theory that we stood attempts at refutation. Right. So if you don't engage in this game of science, you're not entitled to be even viewed as a, as a, as a flawed scientific theory. It's not a scientific theory. This is an orthodoxy. So I, in this paper, we portrayed the whole setting of the train in which we did the research as the setting of epidemiological modesty. And so we have this regime which imposes epidemiological modesty so you can put anything on your face, you could put bandana, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be really a surgical or clinical mask. Just don't expose your, your smile. We don't want to see people smiling. And uh, I began to do more comparisons because in uh, Judaism, which I prefer to call, I don't like the term Judaism. I think it is fr a Christian framing of what, Jude of what the teaching of the people of Israel is. I believe we are the people of Israel and not Jewish, Jews. And we got the Torah, and the Torah is a law that first of all says that there is God who created the universe. And But within Judaism, we have uh, an obligation to be always happy. 
especially in the fraction following a certain uh, currents of uh, uh, Hasidic groups. You always have to be happy. And they showed us that you always have to be afraid. And uh, there is a proverb in Hebrew that the whole world is a very thin bridge and you must never be afraid. So true, so believe in the true, in truth is believing in happiness and in not being afraid. Contrary to Corona teachings, and we were supposed to be afraid of this demon called COVID or Corona or this or that variant like Omicron. They even named them like, you know, like demons. And the only thing that could help you could, uh, your only redemption are these rituals of testings and social distancing and of course the masks which are like the Yarmulka in Judaism but you put it here and of course the golden calf which are the injections Hi everybody, how'd you like to have more mellow in your life? Well, I know I could use some mellow and I found a product called Mellow by Ned that actually really does mellow me out, make me feel damn good. And I want you to feel mellow and damn good. So to make sure you understand how to do that, I've got Adrian here from Ned, the creator of the product, to tell us why this product works so well. Adrian, thanks for making a great product. What's unique about it? Yeah, well, my pleasure, Paul. Um, as you know, magnesium is literally an essential mineral in the human body. It's the fourth most abundant mineral in the body, and it regulates over 300 critical functions, including our mood, our cardiovascular system, our cognitive function, our sleep, and generally just helping us perform. Meanwhile, according to WHO, nearly 75% of us don't get our recommended daily value of magnesium. And this is due to it being stripped from our food supply, thanks to monoculture and overprocessing of foods. So what that means is if our grandparents ate a carrot in 1940, they would have had four times as much magnesium as we get today. So that's why we got together with our expert team of scientists and formulators to craft the ultimate magnesium supplement that is highly efficacious, approachable, and super tasty. So it's crafted with three highly bioavailable magnesium chelates, one of it, which is sourced from the clean waters of the Irish Sea and includes a bunch of amazing trace minerals. And Mellow gives us 70% of our daily recommended value in a single serving. It's then supercharged with two vital amino acids, GABA and L-theanine, to further elevate our mood and our stress response. So all you really have to do to use it is simply add it to eight ounces of water, and then you get to enjoy calm days, restful nights, and, and really what it feels like is a balanced well-being. We have it available in three delicious flavors. It's sugar-free, it's non-GMO, and free of all the nasty stuff. So all you have to do is go to helloned.com and use the code CHECK, that's C-H-E-K, to get 15% off your first purchase. Plus, every order is backed by your 60-day stress-free guarantee. So if you're not totally in love with Mellow, which I'm pretty sure you will Me be. Me too. <laughs> we'll give you your money back, no questions asked. I once had this great talk with a wise Jewish 
person. Actually, the guy with whom we blocked the Ministry of Health from re reintroducing water fluoridation. He's a religious guy older than me, uh, 10 years, and who lives according to miracles. And he also, when he got cancer, he just had uh, two weeks fasting and then three weeks fasting. And then he's been fasting since five days every three weeks. Strong person. Uh, and he once uh, told me, when is the Messiah is going to come? And I said, uh, when? And he said, when all, when everybody wants to be, wants to be saved, wants to have salvation, wants to be redeemed. So isn't everybody wants to have salvation? No. Who doesn't want to be, to have salvation? Those who believe they have already been saved or they know the route to salvation. And science offers modern route to salvation, and we saw it with the COVID injections. And it has this transhumanist trophy if you hang on with medicine another decade or two, you will be able to live to 140 to 200 because with the medicine we're about to invent, also with the hand of artificial intelligence, we will be able to solve problems of cancer and, and all kinds of uh, old age diseases. And you will be able to live forever or practically longer. That's the maximum you can, you can wish for yourself if you're an atheist. If you think we have only this life and this life are the material life which medicine allegedly learned to hack. And what we've seen with the COVID injections, I think, are the lethal outcomes of this mindset. No question. Now you have, and that's my, the last thing, uh, but we have to consider evil. Please we do. We started with my positive reactions to magic mushrooms when I was 22. And from that perspective, everybody should take magic mushrooms, especially those uptight people in the Ministry of Health. <laughs> I've said the same thing. <laughs> You know, like once I ask a ceremony and they are, and they are saved. But <laughs> then I realized there were other forms of drugs. Power, first of all. Whichever hierarchy we're talking about, and the higher the one in hierarchy, the more tempting is the power over people instead of the power over oneself. Because we have a proverb in Hebrew, who is the hero? He who controls his yetzer, its uh, desires, the urge. 
yeah, the sage who controls his tantra is the hero. Because you have no bigger enemy than your lower self. This is where we get temptations to do unhealthy things, to pursue an unhealthy lifestyle, to be untrue with ourselves. For example, I was true to myself because I became barefooter, walking only barefoot. Because there was always something uncomfortable with shoes or sandals. And I thought this was how reality was. So I sort of didn't think about the discomfort of shoes. Now you have these other drugs. And we started with power. But then, you know, I realized that there was a black market for uh, what's the sub substance which they take out of blood. That's all. That's the transhuman Adrenochrome? biohacking. Adrenochrome? Uh, again? Adrenochrome? Yes. When I realized the meaning of that drug, that people in antiquity and apparently also now knew that if you capture a human being and you torture and frighten him or her to death and you drink the blood and you get the equivalent of the dark equivalent of my positive experiences with psychedelics. You get the yeah, dark side. You do the opposite of yoga. You understand your happiness in terms of more and more control over others, more and more assets, and you see these billionaires, and one billion is not enough. No. So it's all about power. And then you see the structure of reality. And you see how suddenly a global power emerge. It controls science. It controls medicine. Its outlook on society is Chinese-like. It supposedly being manifested in so-called liberal democracies. But these liberal democracies are just facades of the real powers that are taking place. And nowadays in Israel, we have demonstrations for more than two months now, perhaps more, lost count. And they are demonstrating for democracy because the Prime Minister Netanyahu wanted to change the uh, committee which chooses judges for the Supreme Court of Justice, in a, so enable him to promote his own people. And they are fighting over that, but none of these demonstrations, there are hundreds of thousands of people participating, parading, not far from my place in Tel Aviv. And they never say even once, green passport, vaccine passport. There is total silence over this topic. How could it be? 
how could it be that people are screaming democracy and are unable to talk of what has just happened? And all my colleagues, nearly all my colleagues disappeared. Nearly all my colleagues never were never never allowed to themselves to be associated with me. And I was very popular pre-COVID because I was the chairperson of the Tel Aviv Bicycle Association and we were an environmental group that people love to love because we are not against. We are for something that everybody is, is also uh, positive about. And... Uh, and the funds we needed to transform Tel Aviv, for example, to a bike-friendly city, you know, it's only a few dozens and then hundreds of millions of seconds. It's not in the billions. And then I was also, you know, in the circles of those who go for equity and rights, war, uh, workers' rights, human rights, they all disappeared. And they saw my dissatisfaction with COVID policies as some kind of uh, uh, like a bizarre behavior. Yes, from someone in academia, we would have expected more. And when I came for a, uh, for a school seminar in Tel Aviv University during the vaccine passport era, I later, later got email from the head of the school who is in my favor. He's one of my friends and he's a great supporter. But he indicated that some of the professors felt uneasy because I stood there away, yeah, not sat with everybody, just stood in the corner, but I was standing there unmasked and probably unvaxxed and therefore posed a threat to my colleagues, so I never went back. Yeah. You're talking about a, a, a such a mass scale of brainwashing. It's, it's pretty incredible, and I think everybody listening to my podcast is very, very aware because I've been talking about this stuff nonstop since it all happened, but... I want to share a story with you. Um, this is years ago now, probably 10 years ago. You know, my wife, Penny, Penny and I, we, we probably spent close to 25 years living on airplanes, traveling the world, lecturing nonstop and teaching my advanced training workshops all over the world. So we're in and out of airports constantly. Jonathan uh, briefed me on that as well. <laughs> yeah. On your extensive uh, projects, yeah. uh, your academia, yeah, your alternative academy. Yes. And so what we were flying out of our hometown of all places, Carlsbad, which, which is one of the considered to be one of the most health conscious places in the world. I mean, this is the surfing central Paramahansa Yogananda's uh, self-realization fellowship, which I've been a member of since I was a child. Uh, is here. You've got the Self-Realization Fellowship Temple in Encinitas, which is right next to Carlsbad. But anyhow, so, you know, I, I practice Tai Chi daily, uh, 18 years, sometimes twice a day. And um, 
we were at the airport and we had a 6 a.m. flight to L.A. that to then connect to an international flight. And we got there early and, and I didn't want to just sit around. And, you know, I know I'm about to go for a long, you know, probably 24 hour journey to get to Australia or somewhere. I can't remember. So I went outside in the on on the sidewalk that was over by a wall which separated the driveway to the airport from the parking lot. And I was just out there. There was nobody out there. It was still almost dark. And I was doing some Tai Chi. And I'd only been doing Tai Chi for a few minutes. And the next thing you know, the security policeman comes up to me and says, you can't do that here. I said, what, the, what do you mean I can't do that here? I said, what am I doing? He said, you're doing all these funny movements and you're going to scare people because you look like a weirdo. I said, I, I could tell just by the way he walked and carried himself. He was an ex-soldier. I said, you used to be in the military, didn't you? He said, yes, I did. I said, I was a member of the 82nd Airborne Division. I said, what's the first thing you do every morning when you're in the military? He looked at me and he thought for a second. He said, exercise. I said, so what you're telling me now is that people are scared because there's somebody outside exercising? And I said, oh, by the way, who are the people that you're talking about? Because there's nobody around here. There's, it's not even light yet. I said, the, the, there's not even houses around here. We're in an industrial park in a, near a, in an airport. And so he, he said, if I come back again and I see you doing this, I'm going to arrest you. And I said, <laughs> I said, you realize that this is absolute bullshit and that this is exactly what's wrong with the world today and why people like you are so sick because he was very overweight. So anyhow, I just ignored him and kept doing Tai Chi and, and <laughs> went and got on the airplane. But it really just shows you how people have been brainwashed to such a degree that it's illegal to be a healthy person and do the things that make you healthy, like breathe. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Like unassisted breathing. You have to filter your air through their uh, products, which are littered with nanoparticles, yep. which you better not inhale. But I want to talk about, uh, uh, there are two important issues we haven't discussed. The first is Israel's role in pandemic science. Yes, I'm interested in that. And in the new paradigm in bioethics. And the second is the children's injections. Yes. Because since I was already affiliated since... 2019 with the so-called anti-vaxxer circles, those, you know, who, are, who understood the threat of public health to informed consent, I was one of the first to warn against the children vaccinations. And I participated in a video conference we made around May 21, and then came my third dismissal attempt in July, 21. Uh, this was my, uh, uh, this is when they sent me the third uh, hearing, and the hearing took place in the end of the summer, and 
the process still pending. And shortly after, September, uh, not shortly after. And then I published a long paper in Hebrew and then in English on children vaccination. I co-authored it with two colleagues. Our paper, it was 66 pages long, was published in September 22. And we examined the process which enabled the authorization of children vaccination both in America and in Israel. And we've shown that, and you know it was the decisions were made with a consensus vote, 17 out of 18 in the FDA and 73 out of 75 in the Israeli pandemic response team. Overwhelming majority. And then we've showed what was already known to science, to the FDA, about the injections based on what we have learned from virus and other sources after adults' vaccinations. And you could see that these people would have authorized everything. Yep. And never, not one of them dare to question anything. And what we've had, we've seen, Eddie, is that Israel was the first. It was the first to close its borders. Before it was the first to require quarantine from anyone coming from Asia. And then the first to close its borders. And then the first to enforce lockdown and injection mandates. Why? Because Israel is a stronghold of American science. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? And medicine especially, because Israel is is considered internationally as a country with a very good and efficient and equitable health system. When what they call health system is actually the medical system, because it doesn't include cannabis unless you get permit from physician, from the doctors. Let me say something about this later. So, Whatever comes from Israel has a stamp of a very good science, especially very good biomedical science. This was one advantage uh, uh, for the role that Israel was supposed to be playing in the, in the uh, pandemic science. But there was another thing, that's the bioethical thing. Because Israel is the country where the remains of the Holocaust reside. If lockdowns were beginning elsewhere, and Israel would have said, well, perhaps it is something that could be considered in other countries, but we, as a Jewish state, with people, you know, we still have some elderly Holocaust survivors, and we have those who have the, what this we call in Israel, the second and third generation 
of Holocaust survivors which have all these symptoms of post-traumatic disorders despite the fact that they weren't in person in the Holocaust. For example, in my case, I've been keep, keeping these old uh, tin cans, food cans, I've, I've been finding in the street when people throw, when it's updated, because if hunger started, at least I have some extra provisions. That's a minor case of this second generation trauma. So if they would say sorry, in our case, vaccine mandates which differentiate according to green label authorized whether and unauthorized people, we couldn't do it. It would have made a more significant contribu contribution to fighting tyranny. But we didn't. No one said anything against policies which frame a group of people as a, as a biological danger to the others. No one seemed to have noticed even that the color of the uniform of, of the police turned black. Wow. So I began to understand that actually someone played Israel actually to morally justify public health policies. We have a... Sorry, I don't have any other words. I'll have to say we have fascist policies. Fascist policies in the analytical sense of preference of the good of the collective over and above the rights of the individual. That was supposed to be the difference between liberalism and collectivism or fascism. And when I say fascism, it doesn't mean if it's Nazism or Soviet communism. Fascism is that political ideology which put the collective and the so-called common good ahead of liberal rights. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the podcast today. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about an awesome free offer from Bioptimizers. If you've listened to my podcast before, chances are good you've heard me bragging about how amazing a product Bioptimizers P3OM Probiotic is. It's the ultimate secret weapon for knocking out food poisoning, and I found it super effective for stopping most anything that causes gut distress quickly. For example, a couple of times now I've eaten fish that was in the refrigerator a little too long and got bloating, gas, and intestinal discomfort. As soon as I felt these symptoms coming on, I took five capsules of P3OM and continued to eat five more with each meal, and the symptoms cleared up in as little as an hour from when I took the first P3OM capsules. My buddy, Wade Lightheart, one of the formulators of P3OM, calls it the Navy Seal of Probiotics, and he's right. Well, today's your lucky day. Get a free 14-day supply of P3OM and just pay the shipping. 
You heard me correctly. This month, get your free bottle of this patented, vegetarian-friendly, lactose-free, 100% plant-based super strain of probiotics. Really, that's it. No other strings attached and no purchase required. Bioptimizer's challenge is simple. Try P3OM and see all the positive changes I've just mentioned. And if your digestion, gut, and microbiome is not improved, you've lost nothing. But if they are as effective as I know them to be, your life is back on track. Get your free bottle by going to p3om.com forward slash Paul Free. That's p3om.com forward slash Paul Free. Use the promo code Paul10, all caps. I'm super excited you all get to try this excellent product for free. Enjoy. In the form of public health, we have this molech. You know what's molech? Sounds the god that you would sacrifice children to. Right. So you have this molech of herd immunity, and you sacrifice children to the molech of herd immunity based on statistical sacrifice because you don't know who will get injured. So with the COVID injections, the son of my first cousin is 22 years old, was, got heart inflammation. Several people in my vicinity were also badly injured. I know people who died. That's sacrifice to the Moloch of herd immunity. Now with the children injections specifically, we have quoted in our paper, papers, those who said that for the sake of herd immunity, the children must be injected, vaccinated in their own term. Now we had this freedom of information request in Israel just two weeks ago. And one of the information that the Minister of Health uh, disclosed was the number of deceased without comorbidities in Israel, age 50 and under. And the number was around zero. Yeah, I'm familiar. Zero persons deceased in Israel, age 50 and under, without comorbidities. So why did you inject all the young ones and the children, that's the molech of herd immunity. And then I had this argument with Professor Nadav Davidovich, who used to be the head of the Division of Public Health Doctors in the Israeli Medical Associations, and is currently the head of, public, of the School of Public Health at uh, Ben-Gurion University, uh, in Israel, and he replied me once in an argument in this in the Israeli bioethics newsletter because he published uh, he co-authored a paper titled "The New Paradigm in Public Health," and they argued that the old paradigm of public health, based on informed consent, value of autonomy, and First, do no harm, 
was the first level of liberal bioethics. But public health developed a second layer or level of bioethics based on solidarity and uh, mutual dependence in which you, you exercise your solidarity by conforming the recommendation of public health, including mandates, including this genetic upgrading with mRNA. And my argument was that the second layer practically annihilated the first layer of bioethics. They never responded. But, uh, sorry, here is, they responded once and we counter and we, uh, and we answered with a big paper. They never responded. And in their first answer, so I managed to get a response. It was the first. They argued it. Yes, they differ from me, from myself in one presumption, that they believe that vaccines are essential to public health. That's a picture of reality. Once you define the good in terms of vaccines, you end up in our current medical technocracy, which imposes the good as described by those people, either through their, how could I say it in religious things, they are blinded from truth. They don't see that our health salvation is in nature. They truly believe that science supersedes nature and that they are, and their arrogance is, is in the magnitude of the Tower of Babylon to the extent they, that they want to start running spaceship Earth through the climate science. Now they're already been experimenting, you know. Sometime, you know, I would, uh, uh, I would check the weather and I see that tomorrow there will be uh, rain. And I know the meaning of it. I know that if I, go, I look east or west, I will probably see these chemtrails in the sky. Yes, lots of them here too. Which means that they have this methodology that when they see that they, when they think that they could produce more rain, they will spray chemicals around above our head. So they were all, so for many years they've been, Israel is one of the first to do cloud seeding with, uh, Iodine mercury, I think, from the 50s. Now they're doing experimenting with other chemicals. They don't tell the public. They don't say anything. That's, you know, that was uh, one time I've learned what science is. I started hearing about Kim Trash and I thought it couldn't be, really, because I would know about it, I presume. And then I consulted Google Scholar. And I do chemtrails and I counted all these uh, papers 
which appear in psychiatric journals, which describe mass psychosis. So I say, wait, 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 that couldn't be. Let's use other descriptors, words. So I put aerosols and geoengineering, and suddenly I see all the science that is supposedly mass psychosis within the psychiatric journals. So the science exists, and they think they are entitled to use it in order to run the ecology. And if not the ecology, they will run at least human society according to climate science, which means, you know, 15-minute cities and carbon taxes and reshaping the economy. And since, you know, the elite doesn't oppose climate science and reshaping of uh, energy, energy and economy, you know they are well prepared for it. Otherwise, they would oppose it. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to bring up. One, one of the things that I found very interesting early on in COVID is I believe it's the CDC, and I think the United States White House website also had it, but there's a list of who was exempt from COVID from the government down. And it was pretty much all government officials and the uh, leaders of key corporations. But there was a long list of people that somehow were exempt because I guess this so-called... In Israel, it included all government, including the president, including all right. the, ju the judges. All the justice system. Isn't it amazing that somehow COVID knows who they are and it stays away from them? <laughs> they have the power of science to protect them. You know, but one more sentence be be before we go to that, because they, they actually they defined my field, which is ecology or environmentalism. Because they took the efforts of really good people who care about nature and the environment and caught them in a system which they redefined to first they said, well, let's not talk about ecology, let's talk about sustainability. And then they found sustainability to have 17 social development goals in which you have very little nature left and nothing really about proper health, and if you go to Gavi website, you know that's Bill Gates' vaccine promotion organization, they argue that you can achieve 14 half of the 17 SDGs via universal vaccinations. So they default sustainability, and it means they could say anything, and now they want to run the world based on international and globalist treaties, which no citizen in any country of the world ever voted on. It is never consulted with citizens. It is a product of technocracy, global technocracy, negotiate with local technocracy, which conforms to the same structure of powers, and to the same system of disciplinary science of the experts, and they dictate whatever they want, 
and that's going to that's already reality and that's the forthcoming reality isn't it interesting though if you i mean you don't need to be a mathematician to do the numbers if you look at the number of deaths and serious injuries from the covid vaccine if you look at the uh fact that it makes women infertile it kills fetuses in the womb it attacks the sex organs uh you know you, you have to say well if this manages to go through it's going to end the world population so you know is this ultimately a genocide mission so that there's only a few of them left to have the world to themselves i mean you don't even need to be that smart to look at the the probability curve on this thing what, what do you think do you think they're too stupid to see that many of my friends believe that there is an agenda of depopulation that actually we live we we reliving a fourth reich yes i've heard that many times which impose a new world order in which we in which they will impo- impose the this new eugenics which is now masquerading itself as public health and actually it's very difficult for me even to entertain the thought that such scheme could exist so let's fall back to the idea that no sane person should have thought that it is that it makes sense to make such an experiment of injecting a whole population with something that you don't know it's the effect for example to inject the, your whole army yes which was done in israel and in and was done those in places. the us yeah and you know now i've learned that you've been in the army yeah and just to think that you may have a disabled disabled army pilot who might drop out of the sky so i think it was like a terrible blow to national israeli national security now with regard to the data once the old var system just went off the ch- the former charts hundredfolds it became diabolical because they know the numbers they've read the first adverse reaction report by Pfizer based from a uh, mid december 2020 to the end of february 21 already 1251 different type of adverse reactions it's already more than 4500 something still counting thousands of people who had been adversely affected including sudden death and you still push on these vaccines and you sacrifice children, children. Yep. to molech of herd immunity it goes beyond I, i don't want to be the one who provides explanations for that i am satisfied with being a person uh, who sees himself 
you know, it's in theological terms, we had 2,000 years ago, we had Gnosticism. There were people who have seen themselves as awakening from some kind of a new illusion or about reality. We became disillusioned. We've seen that which couldn't, which couldn't be true. We know where to, th- to seek truth. We know the truth is in nature. We know the truth is being true to oneself. And being true to oneself is what Socrates has said. First of all, know thyself. Yes. How? As we've said, Patanjali showed the way and he wasn't the only one. Because we have one body, if you study that body of consciousness, the body which is the tool for our consciousness, you can study truth. If you fail to do so, you might err in life and start believing in foreign worship, avodazara in Hebrew, which means believing in something which, you know, it's not idolatry in the sense that you believe in a statue or something. You believe in a power. Science has powers. No one can deny it. They've learned to harness some of the powers of nature, but it is a fractional power. It's a power of gaining control over some fraction of reality, not the whole of ecology. And we, we have a criteria, the ecological criteria, and I say the criteria of the Makom, which is both place and God. If an action defiles the Makom, ecology, that's a sin against the Makom, that's a sin against God. The masks being such a terrible pollution, both in the oceans and on land, sin against ecology, the idea that something could be, uh, something could effectively contribute to our health while being detrimental to ecology is uh, a hypothesis which I think it is wrong. No question. So we have, we have our guide with the truth and nature and we identify the untrue within it appears and we see that the untrue comes with other vices, the opposite of virtues, arrogance and deceit and such a system could, couldn't be sustained for long until great powers hold it in place. And what we've seen from COVID era is that our whole social systems were operating in harmony with those governing powers. For example, Benjamin Netanyahu, our prime minister, was removed from power for a year and something. So the government changed and a new prime minister was elected and he kept on with more or less the same same COVID policies as Netanyahu. And all those 
left liberal, the parallel of the Democrats in America, the Labour Party, etc. in Israel, voted for the COVID mandates, despite the promises before the elections. And the academia also sided with so-called science. So all our social system are working in accordance with that new world order. And I was captured in it, in this argument about the children and about the new paradigm in public health bioethics, this collectivist paradigm. While I got the third hearing in the summer of 21, and the reason for hearing that I was, quote, preaching, preaching my views in the course Bioethics in the Corona Era. Could there be a more obvious violation of academic freedom with regard to COVID policies? No. Actually, you know, when I saw the letter, uh, you know, third hearing, it's a world record. From what I've investigated, I never heard of a person with been three times on an academic hearing. Usually it's very easy to dismiss the person. You just say that the research is not that good, and that's enough. But they couldn't do it in my case, due to some technicalities. So they never discussed my case. How could you say in writing that you're about to fire a person, or seriously demote an academic, you take away tenure, based on such an argument that a person was allegedly preaching in a bioethics course during COVID, a course dedicated to COVID and whose methodology was based on controversy analysis. And in controversy analysis, you have to be able to present the other side in its own terms. I'm sure most of you are aware, even though you may not like the taste of organs, that organ meats are extremely important and good for you. And I've got great news for you. Paleo Valley makes an amazing grass-fed organ complex that's unique and better than anything I've ever found out there. So much better. I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, its creator, exactly what you're going to get from their grass-fed organ complex. Autumn, get us informed on why we should be using your amazing organ complex. Okay. Well, like you said, organ meats are nature's multivitamins. And when we use them, we feel this energy and this stamina. And most people don't like the flavor. So what we did was we took grass-fed and finished organs like liver and heart and kidney, and we just put them into capsules so that you can get all the benefits, the beautiful benefits of organ meats without actually having to taste them, without liver burps, of course. And they're just freeze-dried. So again, they're not processed heavily in any way whatsoever, and they are sourced from American farmers using regenerative agricultural practices. And I sincerely hope you love it. 
Save 15% on your Paleo Valley Organ Complex by going to paleovalley.com forward slash C-H-E-K-15. That's P-A-L-E-O valley.com forward slash C-H-E-K-15. No promo code is required. What you're describing is ultimately the destruction of the education system. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. What, what do you think the solution to this is? I mean, obviously, we've outlined the problem very clearly. But for those of us listening that want to, you know, create change and resist this, how do we go about bringing education back to real education because I don't think there's any way out of this without educating people. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about. That's why we're listening to you yeah. right now. So what, what do you think is the thing that we've got to do from an educational perspective? Because you, you surely know about all this transhumanist, uh, sex crap, uh, pedophilia, uh, somehow miraculously, uh, very pornographic books are showing up in children's schools as, as young as even kindergarten. I just saw a video from the Netherlands where school teachers are encouraging children to masturbate and talking to them about explicit, explicit sexual content that normally we don't even start talking to people about till they're in their teenage years and they're doing this at kindergarten level. I mean, there's a level of sickness being poured into the education system and the universities are full of all this censorship and uh, programming people to not like anybody with a viewpoint that doesn't fit the agenda. I mean, we're literally watching the complete and utter destruction of real education. So what, what, what would you say is the solution to this for those of us that are awake and, and want to do something about it? First of all, I'm a, I'm a refugee of uh, conventional education because I started failing when I was in my second grade. And by the time I was uh, nine or ten, I dropped from school and actually never really studied until I started pursuing philosophy in my early 20s. I'm the same. I, only I only have a ninth grade education. It was something to do with ergonomics, with the ways they design the learning environment. Because in my view now, you couldn't learn properly with chairs and tables. You have to liberate your body. Your body has to be firm on the ground, put some pillow, go around. You don't have to learn. To, to understand learning in terms of this funny technology of the chairs. And I wrote some papers about it and made some experiments in uh, the university with, you know, I, uh, I'm also participating in this uh, consciousness research group. And we bought lots of yoga mattresses. I would bring the mattresses to my classes and students could just sit on the floor or, or exercise or do it, whatever they want. Uh, so the whole education system from, has to be rebuilt from scratch, including higher education, which if not uh, reformed, 
will be destroyed by the aftermath of the reaction against the phony science we have been seeing in the past few years. Because the reaction will come. And people you know in Israel, for example, already lost faith in a Ministry of Health recommendation. For example, the fourth shot only about half a million people took in Israel versus seven and a half million that took the first injection. And then they, they tried to steer a polio hysteria uh, six months ago and only a few hundreds got the jab. So people are losing faith in this kind of science. So until, unless they are reformed, they're going to have a backlash. In my view, we don't just need a reform in science. We need reformation, like in Christianity, that Martin Luther came and said, we could understand science by ourselves. We could read the, the scriptures in his time, the Holy Bible, by ourselves and understand by ourselves what is written there. We don't need the hierarchy. We don't need orthodoxy to tell us what's written there. Now we need a new a reformation in science because, for example, reformation which will enable non-experts, intellectuals, either experts in other domains or simply intellectuals, whether with academic diplomas or without. We don't need a certificate. But those who can access science and understand it and infer from current science the good and the bad, unless we have that kind of reformation, we will be, un we will un be unable to confront current predicament because it's not just when I say science. I'm talking about the scientific theory of economics. I'm talking about the scientific theory of the modern demo uh, liberal democratic state, which is a complete fake because the, the, it's all based on, as we have said, the division of powers, the uh, government, the judicial system, and the, uh, the parliament. And it, this model excludes the global, the international, the scientific, the academia structures of power. So when the Supreme Court of Israel rejected all the appeals made against the Ministry of Health, both before COVID and after, also against the vaccine passports, one of these appeals, I was the first signature in the appeal. And there were 80 more and 800 uh, which gave the, the names. And it was against the implementation of the vaccine passports in the higher, uh, in the universities, in higher education. And it was rejected. And there were no discussion with regard to 
basic law, institutional law in Israel for a human uh, rights, uh, freedom and dignity, and neither to the patient's rights law, because they said that the experts, Ministry of Health experts, say that reality is such, and they say that these measures are needed, and we will not put ourselves uh, in place of the experts. So you got this power to, uh, to decide what is reality and to impose whatever you see thing on the society and you get the approval of the Knesset, of the Israeli parliament, you get the approval of the Supreme Court of Justice. Supreme Court of Injustice. Of Injustice. So I understood the whole theory is, is wrong. Modern state is not independent because the citizens are not sovereign. Because the sovereignty was taken away from them. They said that you will elect your representative and they will represent you. And in fact, what they did was giving away more and more chunks of citizen sovereignty. For example, in Israel, we have this law, which was enacted about 20 years ago, that prevented the politicians from interfering with, with the decisions of the experts of the Israel Central Bank. Now, 20 years ago, I just got my PhD, and I thought this was a good idea. Why would, do we need these politicians who have this, all these interests and serve all these interests interfering with the experts? Let's get the experts decide. Now I understood it and you. The experts must decide according to orthodox theory and based on recommendation of economic hierarchies and especially the whole financial hierarchy and the private banks, the Fed, and etc. And so by enacting this law, we practically took the whole era, area of monetary policy and took it out of the sovereignty of the citizens, which, which couldn't even by voting influence monetary policy. So the whole thing about democracy becomes nothing but a facade, and you look behind, and there are other structures. Now the same is going to happen with the new WHO treaty, the new pandemic treaty. Again, citizens are not asked. It's like a technocratic decision. Once, and it's by default. If a country like, if, like Israel will not oppose accepting the terms of the treaty, 
it means that it is by default accepting the treaty, meaning that we have, we have the WHO dictating public health policy, and nowadays we know public health is everything. It's also climate change. Public health is the theory that now will govern human society. It will be integrated, it is already being integrated with climate science. It is being integrated with what they call One Health, which is also, we have to say, that we live also with animals and germs could go from animals to humans. So we have to secure all that. And we have the science to do it and the technology to do it. With well, the problem is they don't. They don't. That's the lie. Allegedly have. Yeah, and the I understand. the science and technology they allegedly have is the science of technology of increasing control on humans. Yeah, two things I want to touch on. One of them is... Look, Bill Gates has announced several times, so is the World Health Organization, I mean, the uh, World Economic Forum and others in the World Health Organization, that there's another pandemic coming soon and it will be much worse than the last one. Now, when you consider how much people have awoken to the truth, how many people have had personal friends or family injured or killed, and how much has come out of uh, about everything we've discussed and now you've got Robert F Kennedy running for president and he is very vocal about the real issues going on he's practically said everything that you've said in public he's a great inspiration he is he definitely is and i'm trying to encourage everybody to get behind him because even if he doesn't win which we know he probably can't win because it's all rigged anyhow but he'll create such an awareness campaign it'll wake up so my question is Knowing what we know now, knowing all the facts and figures, knowing how bad we've been lied to, knowing how corrupt this thing is, what do you think is going to happen when they try this next pandemic? Actually, I believe the next pandemic is like uh, a sword that will go around our and, you know, state leader heads because they should know that if an alleged outbreak, for example, happens in a state, not the pandemic, and we close it, uh, close border, no aviation ties, they've already showed the power. They don't have to exercise it immediately again. When they need it, they have the tool. In the meantime, we're facing this new normalcy, which Bill Gates was talking about, in which we proceed with other parts of this technocratic biopower super global regime, uh, focusing on climate change and similar such policies. As it seems now, we are in a race between those who are beginning to wake and those who seek to consolidate power because 
the situation is dire. Since, you know, when they sacrificed the children, those who, you know, not the supreme elite, those who exercise the policy, they know that if a mass will emerge furious of their part in injuries inflicted on their dear ones, they will be killed. So they run, they, they are in a race to consolidate policy, consolidate power and keep the narrative despite virus data, for example, before it is too late. It is a race. And I think we, the good people, have only basically one policy which could help us win this race, which is if we will be able to move as many people from those who cooperated, not those who have sold those sold to whatever. Those who cooperate and are trapped, if they come out and say, there is a concept in Judaism, tshuva, coming back to truth. If they come forward and tell what they know and be pardoned, okay, to be excused. Okay, if you say, if you come forward and you tell what you know and you become part of the awareness uh, movement, then we, we forgive you for whatever you've done. And so we have stream of people coming with the information and the whole process of awakening will gain momentum. Because if we just threaten these people with the punishment that they deserve, they will hold on to each other and we will not be able to, perhaps we will not be able to prevail because you see, I faced so far only dismissal attempt, which is less, you know, uh, for example, we don't know what happened to Rashid Bhutan. No. But we have several people who were instrumental in telling the truth in the past few years and suffered all kinds of destinies. So, we have to get stronger fast. That's a race, as I said, between truth and tyranny. And we better be Christian about it. Forget them. You know, in Hebrew, we have a, a, a say in a place where a someone who is, came back to truth stands, a perfect righteous doesn't stand. So, you better, even if you were a sinner and return back to truth, you're in a higher uh, position from a moral point of view. So let's try to, I hope that such a process emerges. Uh, and we have only one, I think, solution, which is to acknowledge the fact that our world is not, is metaphysically not made of hierarchies, 
but from uh, all our kids. You know all our kids. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We can explain it for the listeners. In hierarchy, your status depends on where you stand with regard to others. If you're at the top, you do best. Holarchy is the realization that everything is nature, in bo- is both a whole and a part. For example, a cell in my body is both a whole and part of an organ, which is part of my body. But if you look in the cell, you see it's made out of molecules, which are a whole, atoms, which is a whole, and up. Modern disciplinary science ends with human brain intelligence. Nature, her, him, them, whatever. As I said, my own beliefs, I became a mystic at the age of 22. And my mysticism is simple. Truth in Hebrew, same truth as existed before. That, that each one of us has to put himself in the footsteps of Abraham who had to go out of his homeland and his town and to reject the idols that were worshipped by his contemporaries and follow the path of truth and to believe that even in dire situations, clinging to truth will make the world better. That's our only hope in be- to, re- to truly believe in it and work for the better and show that there is alternative to their science, for example, in the area of health, because I have many friends who will never go again to a health clinic or a hospital. And, and I haven't been to such institutions for, for some years and certainly not since uh, COVID. Daniel, we've had a very deep, honest discussion about the real issues. And, and I'm grateful that you've uh, endured all the, uh, what, what I would call bullshit, because there's nothing other than that to describe it except evil and disrespect and everything else that goes along with that. And we said nothing about cannabis. Yeah, well, we, we said a lot about a lot of things. So I think yes. we can only say so much in two, you know, two and two and a half hours or so. So uh, we'll save it for another day. But uh, um, where can people reach you, find some of the papers you've written and uh, anything else you'd like to share as we close? Just Google Daniel Mishori in Google Scholar and you get my academic papers. And uh, you get, I have a YouTube channel in which you can see my videos doing Tai Chi and explaining things. And I will, in the near future, I will have better uh, communication. I'm supposed to be running quite soon a new a virtual laboratory. It's called Da'at Makom, the Environmental Bioethics Lab. And then I will have all the links to videos and papers and information. So coming soon.
In the meantime, I have the Facebook page of Firmes and Firmeza, or just through my name. Actually, my account was locked, so I'll probably have other channels coming soon. Great. Well, we'll put everything uh, that you give Penny in the show notes as well. So anybody that wants to reach Daniel and find out more can look in the show notes to get the contact details that he offers us. So Daniel, I'll, I'll say thank you very much. And I'm, I'm really uh, grateful for your thank you. capacity to endure and, and stand up for the truth. I think, you know, it's, it, you're very, an honorable man. And I, think there's a shortage of them around today. So I applaud you and I bow to you for that. Thank you very much. And it was a privilege and I'm looking forward. Thank you. I, I think I'd like to thank the sponsors for all your love and support and the excellent products you create. And thanks to all of you for joining us in moving for truth and standing up for the truth and sovereignty and, and freedom and our personal rights. and you know, the answer is whenever you're being told or asked to do something that doesn't fit common sense and the principles of natural health uh, and, and sovereignty and freedom, just simply say no. And yes, there might be some of us that get arrested and there might be some consequences, but uh, the consequences of not standing up for yourself are far worse uh, than anything they'll do to any small number of us and we exactly. need to work together so we've got to work together you know just like in the ocean small fish get together to create the impression of a much larger fish to scare the big fish away and we've there's a lot of us and a few of them so if we school together in the name of truth and reach into our heart for the strength of our love and connection to nature and to each other and life i, I know we'll be okay and we've got no other option except becoming a, a, a pincushion, a zombie, a robot, and some kind of a, a sick version of the Matrix, which I don't know about you, but if you've listened this far, I know you're not interested in that anyhow. So uh, thank you for the sponsors. Thanks for anything you buy from the sponsors that supports the podcast. And thank you to all of you. I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, much. Daniel. Good man. I'm proud of Thank you, man. You. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate everything you're doing and for sharing today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Dr. Daniel Mijuri. You can find Daniel on Facebook at d.mijuri, that's d.m-i-s-h-o-r-i, and also at firmness.fermeza. That's firmness.f-i-r-m-e-z-a. For links to his two published books, please check the show notes at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. You can catch up with Paul on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. 
You could read the show notes and find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors by Optimizers, Organifi and Paleo Valley and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discounts for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcast, and YouTube. 